word. Thank you, Shanta. Amen. 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 Trying to make us explore new things. That's all right. That's good. Amen. Praise the Lord. Now, nobody should be as tired as I am, so we got to get some energy. Turn and slap. No, <clears throat> let's <laughs> slap your neighbor five times. <laughs> Amen. That, that, that'll get us awake. Look at uh, verse 38 with me. Now it happened as they went that they entered a certain village. A certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part which will not be taken away from her. Let's pray. Father, we bless you. We thank you for each person that is here. Father, I pray that you would give each one of us ears to hear. We thank thee that our spirit is willing, even when the flesh is weak. Father, move around this room. I'm praying right now that you would just bless uh, every marriage in this room. Father, I'm praying that you would give us a new sense of commitment uh, to our marriages, to our relationships one with another. And Father, I'm praying that you would give us a greater level of discernment of demonic spirits and Satan's desire to sift us as weed and to kill, steal, and destroy. May we never be ignorant of his devices. May we recognize his attack on our family, on the things that we love, on what matters to you most. God, may we never become at ease at Zion. May we recognize that we are soldiers. Therefore, may we put on the whole armor of God that we will be able to withstand the attacks of the evil one. We bless you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. May you never take a day of life for granted. May you never take lightly the sanctity of marriage. May you never take lightly the sanctity of your body. Your body is holy. It belongs to the Lord. As we find ourselves being um, encouraged to take spiritual notos, we can become at ease in Zion and drift away and lack sensitivity of what, what the enemy is trying to do. And so let's be mindful of that. Amen? Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. On August 25th, 2001, at 649 Eastern Standard Time, just after wrapping up filming for The Rock, The Boat, video, Alea and various members of her recording company, Aaliyah, <laughs> Aaliyah, and various members of her record company boarded a twin-engine Cessna 204B at Marsh Harbor in the Bahamas to travel to an airport right outside of Miami, Florida. But the plane crashed shortly after takeoff about 200 feet from the one runway. Pilot Luis Morales III 
and all eight passengers, including Aaliyah, were killed. After investigating the cause of the accident, it was determined that multiple factors contributed to the plane coming down. The pilot, Lewis Morales III, was not qualified to pilot the plane he was attempting to fly. Additionally, an autopsy performed on Morales revealed that he had cocaine and alcohol in his blood. Further investigation determined that the plane was over its total weight by several hundred pounds. Although a witness claimed that the passengers had been asked to leave some luggage behind, it was later discovered that they were not told that the plane had a weight limit. And because the plane was imbalanced and it had some hefty brothers on the plane, the plane actually crashed because of too much weight. In other words, the accident was totally preventable. If certain things had been removed from the plane, Aaliyah could be, could be with us today. If the clutter of a cocaine-using pilot was removed, the plane wouldn't have crashed. If the clutter of overweight passengers on a small plane and equipment had been removed, maybe, just maybe, the outcome would have been different. We talked about this the last time I preached. What is clutter? What is clutter? It's leftovers, it's trash, it's fragments, unhealthy memories from the past, wounds from hurts that have never healed, disappointment, unfinished assignments that become reminders a personal failure. Clutter is those negative thoughts, those sudden ghosts that you just find. You're in the pulpit, and all of a sudden you remembered you kicked the, no, you didn't kick the dog, but you remember things that you should have done and you didn't do, or things that you shouldn't have done that you did do. Sudden ghosts. A cluttered life is one that is crowded with an overbooked schedule that many of us struggle with that leave us often totally exhausted. You go to sleep, you wake up, you're just as tired as if you'd never sleep, have never slept. I am convinced that the reason why many people are struggling with the flu and colds and um, headaches, all these other nagging types of injury or our illnesses, it's often because our immune system is compromised because we're not properly taking care of our bodies because of clutter. We've got so much packed into our daily schedule that we have no energy to really fight off things that should not stick. One of the major issues in hospitals today is people uh, 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 catching pneumonia. And uh, one of the last places you want to be when you have pneumonia is in the hospital. <laughs> the hospital will make you sick. Uh, but we have a very compromised immune system. But the truth be told, the reason why we are in the predicament that we find ourselves in where our nerves are frayed and we're anxious and we're worried, we feel overwhelmed, is because we're still broken and we need to be fixed. And if we are going to be fixed from the brokenness of those negative thoughts and those things that constantly keep us feeling like we're on the treadmill of life, a revolving door, we're never getting ahead, always faced with this mounting responsibility of, of, of challenges, is that we need to learn from the Word of God how to declutter our lives by choosing the best, by choosing the best. We talked about decluttering our lives. This is the part two of that. We need to choose the best thing. 
we need to choose the best thing. In Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 42, we learn how the choices we make can clutter our lives in such a way that we settle for the good rather than God's best. We settle for the good rather than God's best. In the first part of chapter 10, there are at least three choices in this section of the Word of God that we all can relate to that help us to understand that the central idea of Luke chapter 10 is really about learning how to separate the good from the best, how to choose what is that one necessary thing. And so in the first part of the, uh, of the book uh, of, of Luke uh, chapter 10, uh, verses uh, 1 through 23, uh, Jesus sends out 72 disciples to do street evangelism. Anybody know what street evangelism is? And so they are very effective. Before he sends them, he trains them. And once they return, they are excited about what they've experienced. And so they say to the Lord in verse, uh, in verse 17, uh, the 72 returned with joy. They say, Lord, even the demons submit to us at your name. Now, here's the choice. That as God is using you in the ministry, and in this case, sharing your faith with others, you can choose to focus on the miracles or the Messiah or the miracle worker. So they come back, they're all excited, even demons tremble and respond or come under, under submission when the name of Jesus is mentioned. Praise the Lord, somebody. But then Jesus responds to their choice to focus on the miracles. He said, however, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your name is written in heaven. And so Christ says, it's good to celebrate healing. It's good to celebrate when God gives sight to the blind. It's good when he can take two two fish and five loaves of bread and feed. celebrate the miracle, but don't, under, don't misunderstand. That's good, but the best thing is the miracle worker. The miracle worker who is Jesus. And so he talks about a choice. Will we focus on, the sens on sensationalism or salvation? The greatest miracle that's, being, uh, 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 that's occurring every single day is when somebody says yes to Jesus. That which was dead is brought back to life, and a new creation is born. And so the first choice is, will you focus on the miracle or Messiah? Will you focus on the temporal or the eternal? When you get the right perspective, then you can begin to declutter your life. Then you can begin to prioritize, prioritize properly when your focus is on Messiah and not the temporal, the miracle. Then he talks about a second question, beginning actually in verse 25. He says, uh, the, uh, the, the religious leaders, they ask the question. They want to trick Jesus. They're trying to trap Jesus. They want to show him how smart they are. And, and, and so they, they approach Jesus, and, and, and they say, uh, who is our neighbor? Uh, and, after, and then Jesus gives the, the account of the, 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 uh, of the Good Samaritan. And so the choice is, are you going to choose man-made rules over the righteousness of God? Man-made rules may be good to earn acceptance with people, but not with God. And so what you have in the church often is people who are more interested in traditions, in rules, in looking religious, in churchiology or uh, 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 what would the word you say, churchianity, than they are with being righteous, being like Jesus. The good is the rules are important. The letter of the law is important, but the best is the spirit of the law. So we have a choice. 
we have a choice. Focusing on the temporal or the eternal, what is going to be your focus? And then when we come to verses 32 through 42, the question arises, what's more important in the church, works or worship? Works or worship? The Bible says, and Jesus and his disciples, they were on, as they were on their way, they came to a village where a woman named Martha opened up her home. And we, le- we learn, as was already read, that she was a sister of Mary, and we'll talk a little bit more about that. Who was Martha and Mary? I'm glad you asked. I want to share what these two women had in common before I contrast their differences. What we learn about these ladies, and as far as their commonality, what they shared in likeness, was that these two ladies were single sisters who had a brother whose name was Lazarus. Don't name your son Lazarus. The later, or the latter, uh, was the personal friend of Jesus. In uh, John chapter uh, 11, when Lazarus is in critical condition and he's uh, been diagnosed with a terminal condition, uh, it was Mary and Martha who sent uh, for Jesus, and they said, tell Jesus his friend is sick. And so Lazarus had a very special relationship with Jesus. He is, we all are friends of God through Jesus, but not everybody is designated in the same way as Lazarus. He was the friend of Jesus. How many of you know it's good to have Jesus as a friend? Amen. Amen. Do you know him as your friend? The Bible says that Jesus is the kind of friend that sticks closer than any brother. He's the kind of friend that will hear you when you're crying in the midnight hour. He's the kind of friend that knows exactly what is ailing you because Jesus is the one who can discern the very intents of our heart. He knows you even better than we know ourselves. And so Lazarus was a friend of Jesus. We also learn uh, something else about Martha and Mary. Uh, Mary apparently lived in the same house that was owned by Martha. And it's rare to read about a single woman in the Bible who owned their own home. It's very rare that that was the house. It's usually the the house of of, of a man. But in this case, Martha, a single woman, owned her own home, and she's actually mentioned in the Bible as a homeowner. Martha was a hardworking woman that believed in getting hers the old-fashioned way. She earned it. There was, there's nothing, how many of you know there's nothing wrong with hard work? Nothing wrong with hard work. And we're going to see that as we go further into the text. There's nothing wrong with hard work. Um, and the, the truth be told about Mary and Martha, even though their focus was on two different aspects, they too loved Jesus. Both of them loved the Lord. They loved the Lord in their own specific way. Somebody say amen. Amen. Now, here's what they didn't share in common. Martha was a worker. Every time you read about Martha, she's serving somebody. She's doing something. This was a person who was task-oriented. She was a goal-setter. She was uh, uh, one of these people who had a full schedule. Uh, She was a person who started her day early and finished late, and her greatest accomplishment was to find the bed face first and, and feel like she had that she had accomplished a day's work because everything that she had on her to-do list, uh, she at least attempted it, or in many instances, she would have accomplished it. Now, notice I said that Martha was a worker and she was task-orientated, but what, we, what seems to be the case with her is that her to-do list was her to-do list. So what we need to be doing is lining up our agenda, our, our goals, our plans, and making sure that what we are intending to do matches what the Lord has predetermined for us. Now, we've already learned that the purposes of, of God will be established. God has a predetermined purpose for you. God has equipped and gifted you with special abilities to accomplish what your assignment on this planet 
has already been determined by him to be. The question is, does your to-do list look like God's to-do list? Because when yours doesn't match his, at some point, you're going to be operating in your flesh. And the Bible says we can do nothing in our human effort that pleases God. And so I need to, I'm going to back off and look at my daily assignment and make sure that somehow it matches what I believe lines up with what God intends for me to do. We will not have any sense of fulfillment, any true joy, until we are walking in the purpose of God for our life. You can, it doesn't matter how much work you're doing. If you're working on somebody else's property, it ain't building your house. And so we want to be very, want to be very clear is my to-do list, is this assignment, are these goals, a lifestyle I want to live, a house I want to have, close, does it line up with what God desires for me? Mary, Martha would have been that perfect soccer mom. Everybody would get in her van, and she would be there with all the, the drinks and the refreshments. Uh, she would be that person uh, at work uh, that... Um, that every, she's the go-to person. If you need something done, she could get it organized. She could get people on. You know, she had that A-type personality. She was a go-getter. She didn't wait for things to happen. Martha was a person who made things happen. Have you ever experienced this? You worked on a project so hard and so long. I've seen this with ladies on, the, on, on Thanksgiving, all that. Just cook the, oh, cook the meal, they're fine. Of you cook the meal. And then by the time everybody's eating, the only person that doesn't eat is the person who cooked the meal. <laughs> Why aren't you sitting down and eating? Why don't you make a full plate? Because you're tired. I want you to understand that that was the kind of person that Mary was. She was so busy doing everything for everybody else and getting her fulfillment out of that, that by the time she got, she, she neglected herself in terms of what the will of God was for her. You should never be so involved in anything, even when it's ministry, that you can't enjoy it. Now, that doesn't mean that it isn't hard work because the Bible said we should love the Lord with all of our hearts, all of our minds. In other words, you ought to break a sweat for the Lord. You ought to love the Lord so much that you're exhausted from loving him. And when you get to heaven, you should be so tired from loving him with all your strength, with all your might, with all your mind, that you literally fall over the finish line. And somebody's bringing you something to drink because you done, you done done the work. But in doing the work, we should not neglect what God has intended for us. So Mary, so Martha was the worker. Every ministry would love to have that kind of person willing to serve on 10 different ministries in the church. Names on all the program. Who did this? Who did it? It was Mary. It was Mary. No, it was Martha. It was Martha. It sure wasn't Mary. But Mary, on the other hand, is a different story. Every time you read about her in the Bible, she ain't working. She's worshiping. We meet her at least three other times in the Bible where, where Mary is actually at the feet of Jesus, worshiping and listening to his words. She is the one in John chapter 12 that was so caught up with the understanding of who Jesus was and what he was about to accomplish, she didn't fully understand it when he, would, when he was going to go to the cross, that she, was, she poured a very expensive bottle of oil on, it may have been one of her Christmas gifts. We're not told that because it wasn't a Christmas yet, but let's make this your Christmas gift, a very expensive gift. Let, let's say it took, this was almost, a, what she poured on his feet would be worth a year's salary. And, of course, Judas seeing this in chapter 12, he said, we could use this for the poor. And the Bible says Judas had no interest in the poor. His real interest was he, had, he, was, a, he was the treasurer of the ministry, and he was stealing from the offering. So when he saw that oil being poured, that was money coming out of his pocket. So what, what the Scripture says, that she, not only did she pour the oil on Jesus' feet 
anointing him in preparation for his death. She took her hair, the glory of a woman, she took her hair and she began to wash the feet of Jesus with her hair. She didn't care what anybody thought. She was it, because worship is not about you. It's really about him. You aren't focused on what people are saying or what they're thinking. When you are worshiping, when that is your priority, when that is the one thing that you're doing, worship will take your mind off of your clutter. Worship will take your mind off of your stress. Worship will take your mind off of your anxiety. Worship will make a dark way bright. Worship will level your high mouth. Worship is the thing that will take you through your Jordan rivers. She was a worshiper. She was a worshiper. Now, don't misunderstand. That don't make her lazy. I was going to go to work, but I'm here worshiping. <laughs> and I know, just like God fed Elijah with the ravens from heaven, he's going to pay my bills and put clothes on my children's back. Don't wait for that to happen. The Bible says faith without works is dead. And so this is not saying that Mary didn't work. Even in this instance where Christ shows up unannounced, there's a good chance that she did preparations with Martha before Jesus got there. But once he got there, once you show up in the presence of, the, of other believers, the focus is no longer on work. But now we want to get into the presence of the Lord because we understand where two or three are gathered in his name. The Bible says when we touch and agree, when we come into focus, when we make it about him and not us, we can speak for things to be bound and they will be bound. And we can speak that things will be loosed on earth. And what is loosed and bound on earth will be confirmed because it's already, already determined in heaven. They were different. One was a prioritizer of Christian work, but the other made worship. The sisters acted totally different in the presence of the Lord. Martha started working harder in the presence of the Lord, while Mary stayed at his feet. It's interesting how people can come to the same church for years and have a totally different response to the same sermon, to the same experiences. I want you to know that in every church there are Marthas and they're married. And too often those who are focused on the work aspect of the ministry or some other, something other than Jesus, you come and you're a spectator rather than a participator. When you are participating, you're going to find yourself in the presence of the Lord. And when you get there, you're going to be able to say, and you didn't, you, you, this may be old school, whatever, you're going to be saying, ain't nobody like Jesus. Ain't nobody like him. Martha was distracted while Mary was delighted. The pressure was the same for both. Jesus was there with his entourage, but why is one delighted and one stressed out? The, the, word, the word distracted actually means be pulled in multiple directions at the same time. We get our word anxiety. She was anxious. She was, I mean, she was about to blow a gasket, and what the way she responded, she got hot, heated. And she stormed, she had a temper tantrum and went into the presence of, can you imagine the king of kings and the Lord of lords, you in the presence of God. And all you can think about is you. It's almost like Elijah when he ran from Jezebel and he said, well, that was interesting. <laughs> he said, I am the only one who hasn't bowed down. 
I've been serving you. I'm in his kitchen making these collard greens and trying to get this bacon and his chitlins and these mac and cheese. No, he's nothing with the ham and all that. I'm trying to get this meal together. Look at the table setting and I got the house smelling good. I've been up all night. I'm exhausted. And here you have my sister sitting down watching. The, no, she wasn't watching the Eagles. She was at the feet of Jesus. I want you to know when you're feeling overwhelmed, underappreciated, disrespected, you will, you will actually begin to question if the Lord cares. She said, don't you care? And then out of that anger and frustration because you're pressed to the wall, again, the problem is whose agenda has pressed you to the wall? Why are you feeling so tired? Why are you so anxious? Why are you so... I want you to understand that the Lord, the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit ain't nothing about anxiety and anger. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. I'm telling you that's not the Spirit of the Lord that's operating. Because when you're operating in your flesh because you're trying to serve the Lord in your own strength, you will actually be making demands to tell my sister to get off of her, get off of the, get up and come help me. In the presence of the Lord, thinking about Sunday's dinner, the clothes you didn't wash, all of the projects that await you tomorrow, the bills that you need to earn enough money to pay, the grades, the tests, the, the people that are waiting to, thinking about everything but him. But what we're going to discover, if you can just get your attention on the author and the finisher of our faith, you will be able to see beyond the storms, beyond the confusion, beyond the stress. And the captain of the sea, the waves and the storm, he's on board. <laughs> All you need to do is say, wake up, Jesus. <laughs> and so two women in the presence of the Lord, two total, totally different reactions, responses. I want you to know that if you agitated with people and short with people, I don't care what you think you're doing for the Lord. You need to shut it down. Shut it down. Shut it down. Because that ain't the Lord. And so, and, and that, so that might mean less ministries. That might mean taking a break. But let me, let me be very careful with that because... The first thing that we try to do when things aren't right, we want to downsize what we're doing for the Lord. No, we ain't talking about downsizing the things that we're doing for the Lord. The question is, are the things that you're doing pleasing him based on his direction for your life? Here's why uh, Martha was distracted and why we get distracted. And Martha's not just a woman. She represents every spirit of anxiety, every spirit of stress. And I believe that one of the greatest challenges to Christians today is that the devil has us so busy, so distracted with, with our cell phones and with, with Instagram and, and, and tweet, all those things. We don't even have time. We got time, but we're putting all of our time on the temporal. And we're stressed out. We're popping pills. We got more mental health illnesses, more mass murders than at any other time in the history of this country. Here's what happened to Martha, and here's what happens to us. We get caught up in the pressures of the urgent rather than God's priorities. You're just trying to stay. <laughs> I mean, you, get, you fix one thing, another hole comes out. You fix, I mean, like you're on the Titanic. You got the feet, you got the legs, you got the head, you got the face. And, and, and wherever you don't have something hope closing up that dike, it seems like the ship, guess what? The ship ain't going to sink. That work, it'll be there tomorrow. The devil's a liar. He'll make you think that if you don't do everything that you think you need to do right now, that somehow 
you have failed your family. You have No, there's some things that you need to do, but you don't need to do everything. Somebody say amen. Amen. So I ain't my problem. I ain't trying to do everything anyway. That's why you got stuff, you got stuff backed up to the ceiling because you haven't done what you should have done. So sometimes we backed up because of sin, of the sin of procrastination. Clutter, clutter, clutter. Here's another reason. She, you feel obligated to do what other people expect. In her mind, and the best food I ever ate, and I ate too much of it. I gained 31 pounds when I was in Texas. Was in a house that was out of all the houses of everybody that, that went to this particular church. It was the worst house. They literally had to uh, uh, jiggle their way into their own home. And, and, and they didn't really have a place in the kitchen for you to sit down. But that house was always open. There was always a church's chicken or something. And even when the food was low, it, was, it seemed like the food would, would multiply. But when you have in your mind that you've got to have this or that and it has to look like this or it has to be like that, you're going to be under a lot of pressure trying to impress people in ways that God, God is not concerned about what you have as much as uh, what are you, how you're using what I've given you. He who's faithful over little, the Lord said, I'll make you ruler over much. I'm going to do better when I get more. No, you won't. You're going to be just as cheap, just as stingy, just as selfish when you get more. Oh, that's why I'm trying to hit the lottery. No, you're not. You're trying to hit the lottery so you can have something more for yourself. God says he who gets get money through ill-gotten gain, that's sin. How about trusting the Lord? I heard two or three of you say, amen, praise the Lord, amen. I'll take some of it, and we'll pray over it. Because <laughs> all of it belongs. <laughs> we feel overwhelmed and, 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 and have righteous indignation to to go on a work stoppage or have a bad, we're going to do it, but we're going to be mad. We're going to make every pot drop. We're going to make, you know, we're going to make burn the food. We're going to make it, you know, take it a little later to fix it or, 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 or we're going to stay a little longer at work because we feel cheated and taken for granted. Have you ever felt like that, that your family doesn't appreciate you, that it doesn't matter to them that you worked hard, that you did, you did your best? That's clutter. That's how Martha felt. Jesus, you don't care. You feel tense and uptight. How many of you don't know how to relax? I used to, uh, when I was in seminary, I'd be holding a baby and reading a book. I just felt like that's what you're supposed to do. I didn't know how to relax. I felt guilty when I relaxed. And there's some Christians who are like that. They're just so high strung and so balled up with, with stress and anxiety. And they got, it's like, oh, slow down. <laughs> can't make eye, make, cannot make eye contact with you. And one of the things that I'm learning about myself, when it's about myself, I'm not comfortable. I'm going, I'm, I'm going to feel stress. I'm going to feel that unease. But when I make it about who I'm, who I'm trying to help, what I'm supposed to be doing, then all of a sudden I'm not, there's no nervousness. There's no anxiety. There's no stress. The problem is you need to get out of the way. It's nothing like an authentic Christian who can really laugh, not fake laughing and, you know, or fake praise. And that's something, unfortunately, the pastors resort to that because we don't, we don't pray spontaneously. But you ought to be so comfortable with your experience of being in the presence of the Lord that you don't intend to raise your hand. But when the word gets good, it just gets good. When the Spirit says, say amen, you just can't keep quiet. You've got to say something. I try to keep still, and my wife says, oh, man, you're about to break my shoulder here. I can't help it. Word is good. Jeremiah says, like fire, it's shut up in my bones. Even when I say I'm not going to say nothing, I can't help myself. 
Now, how did Jesus respond to these two women that were so different? One totally distracted, the other in delight. In the same place, and you're thinking about marital problems, you're thinking about he didn't speak, he, he, he threw my clothes on the floor, and all those, you at church. It's not just enough to be religious to say, to check it off, I came to church, he didn't. She, I came to church, she didn't. No, 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 no. That's what the religious leaders, who is my name, okay, that's cute, but it doesn't please God. I want you to understand something as we, as we see how Jesus responded. Both of these women had a, a choice. One chose to focus on work that stressed her out. Mary decided, I'm going to worship him. Some of us need to be like Jacob. When he wrestled with that angel, he said, I ain't letting you go. I, I don't know about anybody else. I, 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 they may have just come to church to wear their nice new outfit, but I'm, going, I'm coming that I might hear a word from the Lord for myself. I'm going to stay right there until I hear from him. I, I, I'm going to hold on. Sometimes you don't need to stop praying because we stop praying. You can keep praying. Sometimes you don't have to wait until we have altar call. Sometimes the Holy Spirit will pick you, bring you up here, and you lie prostrate in front of the Lord for the entire service. When you're really going through and you got your issue of blood and all your money couldn't heal you, all the doctors and the attorneys couldn't fix it for you, and Dr. Jesus shows up, whatever it takes, whatever it takes, I don't care. I'm getting to Jesus. I'm tired of struggling. I'm tired of hurting. I'm tired of frustration. I just, if I could just touch him, if I could just, just touch him. Oh, if I could just touch him. Sometimes you got to get desperate. And he'll feel your touch and he'll bless you. The Bible says that Jesus said, Martha, Martha. He didn't tell her to shut up, sit down. He calmed her. He says, you are worried about many things. Your to-do list. But Mary, there, he said, and there are a few things that need, are needed. So don't ignore that there are things that need, you need to pay those bills. Some of us need to take our medication, uh, Deacon Dwight. He, is he in the building? <laughs> yes. It ain't cute. If you need to take it, take it. Amen. That's a rebuke right there. Amen. Because we love that brother. Amen. So, amen. Praise the Lord. <laughs> yeah. Jesus said, but there's one thing that is most important, that is needed. Here's the best thing. If you really want to unclutter your life, you want to finally close the books on the negative thinking and the hurt and the unforgiveness and, and what people think and what they said and why they said it. Here's the answer. And I, I know this is going to be so deep. It's going to go right over some of you heads and, and, and maybe I'll break it down to you in the next life to come. But the word, the simple word is become a worshiper. Become, Mary has chosen the best thing. She is worshiping and listening to my word. When you make up your mind that your first priority is to worship and spend time in the word of God on a daily basis, the clutter will stay in your mind. But when you become a worshiper, all of a sudden, when you seek ye first the kingdom of God, the Bible says, then all of these things will be added unto you. What is it that you need? Do you need a husband? It'll be added to you. Do you need fire? It'll be added unto you. Do you need a place? It'll be added unto you. Do you need healing in your life? It'll be, but it starts with worship. 
worshiping the word. How much time? Here's what I'd say to somebody that's just starting. I'm asking the leaders to join me to do something that I've never done. Spend an hour a day in prayer journaling, brothers. <laughs> anyway, I'm not asking you to do that, everybody. But our leadership wants to be a model of an example that at this church, this is really a new direction. Is that you spend 20 minutes a day in worship and the word. That's the first thing you do. You open up your Bible and you seek the presence of the Lord every day. And what's going to happen is that, that 20 minutes is not going to be enough. But just, just start with 20 minutes. And when you find yourself in his presence, some of us are going to be like Joshua. The tent of meetings was the place where only Moses could enter into where the holiest of holies was. Only Moses could go. But Joshua was his assistant. And so Joshua would show up, but he could. And when Moses went in, the Shekinah glory of the Lord covered the tent. And so when, when Moses went home, the Bible says that Joshua slept outside of the tent. He didn't want to leave where God was. <laughs> just in case, just in case God showed up, he wanted to be there to get another taste of the goodness of the Lord. When you spend time with the Lord, the clutter will be decluttered because communication from God to renew your mind. You need your mind renewed. Too many of us think like the world. Our thoughts are not God's thoughts. You don't know what God says about your situation. You don't know how to be a husband or a wife or even a friend. Don't know how to date a woman or a man because you haven't taken time to be communicated with from God who will renew your mind. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by what? Secondly, communion with God. Jesus said, behold, I stand at the door and knock. What happened for Martha is she had a chance to have a, for men we may not understand this, an intimate encounter with the Lord. All I mean by that, brothers, is face to face. I know you can FaceTime. That's all right. We, we, we don't want to be like the, the, the woman who, whose boyfriend went away in the military and he wrote her every single day. He proposed to her. They were going to get married the day he was released. Every single day she got a letter from him. He shows up after his, his depart, deployment, and he knocks on the door. The father meets him at the door, and he says, I'm here to marry your daughter. He says, she doesn't live anymore. He said, what do you mean? I've been writing her every day. He said, well, I have every letter you sent. So where is she? She's married. To who? The postman. <laughs> she married the mailman. It's one thing to FaceTime somebody. It's one thing to, to talk to somebody on the cell phone, but to be face-to-face. -face, that's what communion, that's what worship allows you to do, to have FaceTime with God, the creator of the heavens and the earth, the one who renews your soul, the one who wakes you up in the morning, the one who starts us on our way. Communion. Communion with him. Communion with him. You know what, he, what else happened? When you're in his presence, he will calm your spirit. Martha's pulling her hair out. She does everything but cuss in this text. And maybe the Lord just cleaned it up. But she was distressed. And here is Mary in the midst of all of this chaos. The stuff that should make you crazy. The stuff that should make you put on your gorilla. Here she is, totally calm. The Lord will give you peace that passes all understanding when you learn how to be in his presence. Here's the final thing that happens. When you make worship in the word priority, connection with the eternal is established. Here it is, what I mean. Jesus said, Mary has chosen the best thing, 
and this will be with her forever. Guess when worship ends? Never. Guess when the word ends? Never. Because the word is eternal. Worship is he. She has chosen the best thing, the eternal thing. That's why when a Christian even is sick, like Jacob was, the Bible said Jacob was sick and he was about to die. And the word was sent to Joseph, his son. And the Bible says when Jacob on his deathbed heard that Joseph was about to rise, it said that Israel set up. Now, Israel and Jacob was one and the same, but Jacob represented his flesh. Israel was a spirit man. I want you to understand something. When you have practiced the presence of the Lord through worship and time with him, even when your body begins to fail, Jacob gets sick. Jacob is corrupted. Jacob is mortal, but the immortal, the, the, the spirit of God in you, <laughs> the spirit of God, will give you the ability to do what Israel did. He was still able to pronounce blessings on every one of his 12 sons. We need to do the best thing to declutter our lives. It ain't complicated. You will know how to reorganize. You will know how to prioritize. But it starts with spending time in his presence. A... An expert in business management was teaching a class, stand with me, at a college. And he pulled out a one-gallon-wide mouth jar, and he set it on the table in front of him. Then he took about a dozen fist-sized rocks and he carefully placed them one at a time in the jar until the jar, he couldn't put any more rocks in the jar. And then he asked the students, is the jar full? And they all said, yes, the jar is full. The professor said, oh, no. He reached under the table and he pulled out a bucket of gravel. He poured some of some of it into the jar, and he shook it, and the gravel, gravel worked its way in between the large rocks. Then he asked, is it full? The student said, oh, you know, we don't know. <laughs> Probably not, they said. Good, he replied. And then he reached under the table, and he brought out a bucket of sand, and he dumped the sand in it, and it went into all the spaces left between the rocks and the gravel. Once more, he asked, is the jar full? No, the class shouted. Good, he said. Then he grabbed a pitcher of water, and he poured it in until the jar was full to the brim. Then he asked the class, what is the point of the illustration? And one of the first, yeah, I know, I know. He said, if you have something to do, there will always be room to make more space. The professor said, no, that's not the meaning of the illustration. The meaning of the illustration is this. If you don't put the big things in first, the rocks in first, you'll never get them in. If you don't make God your priority first, the gravel and the sand and the water will not allow him to find his rightful place. And his rightful place is not seated at your feet, but us seated at his feet. He needs to be on the throne of our lives. Make him your priority. Make him your priority. Let's pray. Father God, we love you. We thank you that you're here. Forgive us, God.